On episode 94 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, win the hearts and minds of your employees with Michael Marshall. Put the cards out on the table, understand each other's perspective, find the common ground so that you can move on. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today, I'm sitting down with Michael Marshall. He runs a business consulting firm called the KLM Group. His business experience includes over 36 years at DuPont. We talk about winning the hearts and minds of your employees through communication and trust. And now, here's Michael. I'm Michael Marshall, founder of the KLM Group. The K stands for knowledge, L for leadership, and M for management. So for me, those are some cornerstones that are essential to the success of any change effort. So my focus is around uh, creating and implementing strategic change. Uh, The core approach within that is collaboration and involving the organization. For, For me, I call it engaging the hearts and minds of the people and helping each other become partners in the work, whatever the work needs to be for the success of the business. Excellent. So what's your background that brought you to what you do today? 36 years in DuPont in a variety of roles. So I did everything from sweet floors to uh, uh, train managers and plant managers and work uh, to help project teams at a corporate level and at a side level and a business level. So so what made you want to strike out on your own and kind of do this for yourself here? I still feel like I had a lot to offer and I still feel like there's a need. In particular for me, the value I think that my focus brings to the forefront is how do you engage your people? And I think too many times, I don't know that companies do or leaders do enough to really make a difference in the hearts and minds of their people, make them feel like they're really valued, can impact the bottom line, can contribute beyond what we might normally expect them to do based on our own paradigms or limitations and our views of what people can do and are capable of doing. And for me, the the, uh, development of people is, uh, the collaboration aspect of it is, how do we get people to go beyond what we can get from them with what they bring to the table, but also develop and grow them beyond what their current capabilities are so they can continue to grow and differentiate themselves and how they make an impact in their day-to-day work. So you'd say your special sauce is that you're really good with employee engagement. Uh, I like the way you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Special sauce. I may, I may have to incorporate that uh, label in my comments. Yeah. You, you can steal whatever you want from me. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> so what does a unengaged employee look like? Some of the things I would offer is distant, only responding to specific requests, just doing the bare minimum, not because they don't have more to offer, but because they're not expected to or not rewarded or acknowledged when they do or can. I think the leader personality and style and approach affects the person's willingness to uh, go beyond just the bare minimum. To me, it's kind of like when we go into a store. I went into a store yesterday to make a purchase on an electronic gadget. I was trying to look for microphones. 
uh, <laughs> earpieces with microphones. A young man waited on someone that came up after me, and then he was about to turn away and walk off. And I said, wait just a minute. I said, you have time to help me. <laughs> and so we had a conversation, but he made a comment under his breath, but very audible. My, my management doesn't understand about getting the right amount of manpower to, to work with our customers. Right. So for me, it's uh, how do you promote and inspire that conversation to get people to feel like they can influence how things operate and improve their performance or the view of the customer and they feel like they can impact it and are included in the conversation to discover solutions and how to make it better. I went around the circle on that, but I think those are some ideas about solutions as well as when you see some of the signs. I was going to say, when you're working with some of your clients and they have an a unengaged workforce, what are some of the things that you start building with to create engaged employees? Well, the, the first thing I encourage a client to do is identify a strategic initiative that really is going to be a game changer in their business. Part of identifying what those are is engaging a cross-section of the organization in the conversation to identify what that is, why is it important, what's the gap based on performance needed, and they not only are a part of that initial conversation to identify the initiative, but they define what the work will require in order to achieve that. And then beyond that, it's still getting a cross-functional, multi-level representation of the organization to actually work on creating the solution to achieve that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about how do you involve everyone in the organization in a variety of ways, all the way from the get-go and defining what the important critical initiatives are to actually achieving it and then celebrating the success. And you do that through a very collaborative approach and engaging people in conversations to work on real, meaningful issues. I think you hit the nail on the head that overall, a lot of times employees just want to feel heard, right? Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. And so like the guy you were talking with about the microphone, he wanted to tell you what the problem was and he may have discussed it with management and they may have said, okay, we, we understand uh, your complaint, but we're not going to do anything about it. You no, know, matter of fact, I didn't comment too much in the moment. <laughs> I thought a few seconds later, I thought it was an opportunity I could have suggested to him. Sounds like a great conversation you should have with your manager. <laughs> had he had that conversation with his manager? Apparently not. <laughs> so but I don't know. That's another assumption. So I think that's probably like, it's a two-way street in the fact that I think the leader should probably initiate the conversation. Like, what could I do to help make you more successful in what you do? But it should also, you know, if the leader's not willing to engage, I think the employee, when appropriate, should also say like, hey, I have some concerns here. Exactly. I think you brought up a great aspect of why people are not engaged. What do you see? And all the signs about not feeling heard or uh, they don't feel that anybody wants to listen or wants to ask them a question or gives them an opportunity to speak out and voice, here's what's going well, but here's a couple of things we really need to work on and make better. Now, the, the catch to that is they don't need to just bring up the problem. They also need to be part of the solution. Yeah, good point. So it's like, 
don't complain unless you're willing to get your head in the game and help fix it, make it better. And if you're willing to do that, then you might get more receptivity from the organization to do something. You know, it's funny, like when they talk about 90% of losing weight is dieting, I think when they talk about issues in an organization, like 90% of it is communication. I would, I would agree. Communication is huge. I worked for a man years ago. He was probably the best person I've ever worked with in terms of blocking out all the distractions. When you came into his office to have a conversation, many times he wouldn't even know what the conversation was about. <laughs> but he would get up from uh, behind his desk, walk around, pull up a chair right beside you, He wouldn't answer phones. He didn't allow interruptions, people coming in the office. It was totally focused and dedicated on listening to you. He wasn't distracted in any way, and he asked great questions. So he he demonstrated active listening and really probing and understanding before he jumped to conclusions or even took away the ability of any opportunity you had to offer a solution or next step. So he really wanted to hear your story first. And he was, it was almost scary the first time he did that because I've never had anyone be that attentive and focused (laughs) and dedicated to the conversation. You're like, this is all for me. (laughs) Yeah. He he made you feel special. That's good. So that's another part I was thinking of, you know, if the employee doesn't feel valued, if they don't feel connected to like the overall vision of the company, I'm sure they're going to feel more disengaged as well, right? Uh, I'm just here to punch the clock and uh, leave when I finish. <laughs> we'll be right back. And now it's time to meet 360 Solutions strategic partner, Meg Pogue. From Austin, Texas. Most of my career was in the nonprofit world, and after 10 plus years as the CEO of a nonprofit, decided I had had enough of the stress, and I actually had had a close mentor who volunteered for my organization named Bill Forsberg, and he was Ross Perot's right-hand man in all three of Ross's companies, doing leadership development and organizational development. So he coached me. He was what I call my secret advisor. We met monthly for coffee for five years as I grew my organization and acquired other organizations, and I realized I wanted to be like Bill. And Bill pointed me to 360 Solutions, and I went out on my own just recently. It's been great. If, like Meg, you're ready to help organizations develop their leaders, consider partnering with 360 Solutions. Our high-performance leadership framework helps businesses run more efficiently with an engaged workforce. Find out about partnering with 360 Solutions at 360solutions.com partner. Again, that's 360solutions.com partner. And now back to the show. I think uh, the business world is shifting more in that direction of engaging. In my long career, initially, it wasn't that way. It was more of do what I tell you, when I tell you, how I tell you to do it, check your brain at the gate, just carry out the task, (laughs) and thank you very much. And I guess it also probably depends on the job because there are some jobs where they welcome more input from the lower level people and some where, you know, they really have their processes set up the way they want them and any outside thing might be detrimental But, you know, I think every process should be open to looking at every once in a while. I agree. I think if you're not careful, you can just get complacent Mm -hmm. with how things work. 
I think I've heard the phrase, and I believe it's true, the pain of change has to be less than the pain of staying the same. (laughs) So sometimes we just keep tolerating it, dealing with it, putting it off, finding excuses not to uh, attack something and try and make it better. Even when you know there are some things that need to be changed, in the chemical operation, it could become dangerous if you get complacent. You let things slide and you take shortcuts or you abbreviate or modify the process in the moment because you think it's a better solution, but that could wreak havoc if you're not careful. So it's better to deal with it overtly, have the conversation, make a more formal approach to making improvements and do it the right way. So you hit on this just a second ago, and I don't want to make this a generational debate, but you did talk about, you know, the way it used to be where it was like, do what I say, I'm not paying you for your opinion to now people like want to have a a purpose, a vision. They want to feel important. They want like a mission. Do you think that's a generational thing or just kind of like a changing of workplace cultures? I don't think it's a generational issue. I think people have always wanted that. Right. I think it's uh, business. the business world is waking up to say, I have a, a colleague that once said, there's only three knobs you can turn. The only knob that's left to turn is people to really make a difference in the performance of your business. So for me, it's about how do you capture their heart? And for me, uh, the, I have a couple of models I use with a team coaching approach and any project team that I support through strategic work. And one of the critical questions and discussions that occurs with the team is, is this meaningful and challenging work, not only for the business, but for you as a person? Hmm. Because I want them, if they don't feel it's meaningful and it's not an opportunity to grow because it provides a, a fair amount of challenge, then they may not be the right person to work on that project. It doesn't mean they're not fit for the organization, because that particular project might just not ring their bell. Right. And that's okay. And another thing is a specific challenging goal. If you're not descriptive enough, clearly defined what the objective is, then the group is almost doomed to fail already. Mm-hmm. But people want clear direction, they want clear objectives, clear definition of what they are expected to deliver so that when they do the work and they cross the finish line, there's no regret, no hesitation. Success is clear. You've got metrics to validate it and you celebrate your success. And so for me, that's also very important. And this is another aspect of the power of the collaboration where the leadership, whoever that is within the organization that was is supporting it with resources, time, effort, whatever's needed to invest in the effort is very critical to success. Is it sometimes the case that the personality of the team may dictate how engaged people are with the vision of the company? You know, you were just talking about, is this problem something that's challenging to you? Well, maybe it's something that one person is challenged by, one person is bored by, and you have them all on your team. How do you as a leader kind of lead to the individual personalities on your team? I think uh, what I what I suggest to my clients is create a list of criteria for your selection process, for your cross-representation within your organization, 
but then also define your recruiting process. So we're not just going to do the old Uncle Sam approach and say, I'm going to appoint you. Don't you love it? <laughs> uh, it's more about having a recruiting conversation that says, here's what the work is. Here's why we're considering you. We think you would be a great fit because what's your reaction to that? How interested would you be? How does this fit with your overall long-term goals or development for you personally and professionally? So that's just a little snippet of the kind of discussion that I think needs to occur as you vet the team to actually formulate the final makeup of the team. And one other piece you obviously need to consider is the skills. There may be some projects require particular skill set or knowledge about a particular topic. I'm not saying everyone on the team has to be a subject matter expert in that arena, but there may be cases where some people need that skill set represented on the team. So those are all factors to consider and put together your selection criteria and how you recruit people up your team. I'm sure you've been the leader of teams in the past and I'm sure you've you've built teams. Would you rather have somebody who is very technically proficient and dispassionate or somebody who's very passionate who maybe doesn't have the technical skills? I would rather go with the passionate. <laughs> Why is that? I can engage people with the technical skills on an ad hoc basis where we need some of that subject matter expertise, but the, the game changer is the heart and the passion. Hmm. They'll invest more of their self and the energy and talents that they do have, in my opinion, than uh, relying just on their subject matter expertise. If you have a team that's being built and maybe there's one or two people in there that are, you know, kind of they have a toxic attitude, like they are constantly kind of bad mouthing management or they're feeling like it's not an important thing or they don't need, you know, the rules don't apply to them in certain circumstances. How do you work with those employees, if, if at all? For me, as the leader of the team or the leader of the organization, you want to salvage the person's integrity and you want to help people grow and develop and be able to overcome those challenges because they will surface. So one of the things I incorporate in a project team or even the strategic team is a set of operating principles. So part of that discussion is even asking them to bring up, come up with a list of challenges they feel they may that may surface as they work together. Not challenges about the task or the project, challenges about behaviors and relationships. And based on those challenges, they identify themselves, what are the principles that we'll use to deal with that in a positive way if and when it surfaces. Uh, the second thing I do with groups is actually engage them in some development as a team. There's five particular behaviors that give little development vignettes within. One of them is around giving feedback and receiving feedback. I want the team to become self-sufficient and not rely on a referee or the leader to have to bridge the gap and resolve those kinds of issues when they come up. It doesn't mean they won't ever get involved, but I'd rather it happen from within the members that are having the issue. So how do you give and receive feedback when those kind of behaviors surface? How do you reconcile differences? Because sometimes people have strong, passionate feelings one way or the other about the issue or each other. So how do you reconcile that? I tell people, 
we don't have to love each other, but we got to work together <laughs> and we got a job to do. So let's deal with this in a positive way, find out what the reconcile is and then embrace it and move on. I think uh, in the military, they call that solving it at the lowest possible pay grade. <laughs> Did you spend some time in the military? Yes, I had uh, five years in the Navy. And if you brought something to the chief, you must have already had a discussion with someone who's on your same level or the petty officer above that before you bring yeah. it to the chief because he does not want to hear it if you haven't already tried and failed to solve it at your particular pay grade. Well, thank you for your service. <laughs> of course. Then the one other one, I won't mention all five, but one other one is facilitate agreement and reconcile differences. I think I already mentioned reconcile differences. Mm -hmm. Facilitate agreement even amongst themselves. Sometimes it's, uh, I use the iceberg metaphor. What you see at the top, there's a lot more underneath the surface. And so that, again, requires some good listening, some good dialogue, put the cards out on the table, understand each other's perspective, find the common ground so that you can move on and still feel like you're not sacrificing any of your values or principles, enable the group to continue the journey, continue the work. I was going to say this, and you kind of already answered it, but I would think there's a challenge where there's one of you or maybe you have some colleagues and dealing with a group of people, you can kind of be the referee and be the person to keep instilling these values into them. But at scale with large companies, you know, there's not enough coaches and trainers and, and leaders out there to kind of help. So how do you instill this in people so that you can scale it to a, a giant company like DuPont? I believe that uh, that's also part of the consideration as you select the leader for these project teams or even a natural work group. Because I'm, I'm referencing project teams a lot, but the same principle applies to a natural work group on the shop floor, whatever their product or service is. How do you build the same kind of strength and, and relationship across the membership of the team so that they work well together, they're more productive, they respect each other, even if they don't really want to spend time with them outside of the job. So for me, it's about instilling those same ideas and skills from the top down. And that's why I like to start with the strategic initiative, because ultimately the natural work groups, the project team may discover the solution and create a plan to implement it across the organization but the natural work teams then still have to put it into play in the workplace real time. Right. So to me, it's important to instill those same behaviors, skills, mindsets at the top end and coach observe them because they need to be the role models should go all ripple down, all the way down the food chain so that people are willing to give feedback, challenge people on their behaviors, you got to make it safe. It's not easy. It's risky when you start trying to uh, challenge people's behaviors that are above you. You're meddling preacher. That's what I used to say. Like when the, <laughs> when the pastor says something that it may get to the core of your values, you know? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you reinforce that all the way up and down and throughout the growth and the development of the organization? Because these skills that I'm talking about really doesn't matter what the specific work is. It's about how do you improve the potential success of the whole business through working together better, smarter, easier, putting things out on the table and uh, respecting each other rather than 
put it under a bushel basket. Well, by golly, I do think you are the employee engagement specialist. I love that. Um, if people are looking to get a hold of you, what's the best way to contact you? The KLM group, but in the website, the group is abbreviated to GRP. So it's the KLM Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I know I learned a lot and I hope everyone else learned a lot about employee engagement. Great job. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.